Hello, hello, podcast fam. Today on the show, we will be listening in on a conversation I had with Cody Laughlin back when I first started this podcast journey about a year ago. I am happy to finally release it after a year of self-doubt and false starts. Listen in as we jam on all things financial literacy. This is a topic so important to me, and I am honored to have this Money Talk with Cody Laughlin, the host of the Money Talkers podcast. Cody is a serial entrepreneur who started to learn finance at age 19 was a millionaire by 27, bankrupt at 28, and retired early at 39 to pursue a passion of teaching financial literacy, successful mindset, and entrepreneurship that our schools refuse to teach. Cody's companies have reached over $200 million in sales while reaching Inc. 5000's list of the fastest growing companies twice. Between opening 13 different companies and counting, he has also served as a vice president of a commercial bank and has financed over $100 million in loans. Realizing the lack of financial education in the school system, Cody has set out to change the financial trajectory of today's youth by giving the tools to parents to deepen their relationship with their children while also giving them the information they need to be financially free. I hope you enjoy. Do you ever find yourself asking, why isn't this taught in school? My entrepreneurial and parenthood journeys really highlighted the gap between what the world needs and what our schools are actually teaching, and how woefully unprepared most people are to achieve their greatest dreams. The people truly winning in a postmodern economy have a different set of skills that aren't taught in school and are privy to information not taught to the masses. With that in mind, we invite you on our journey to glean from the world's most successful leaders and icons of industry, the real skills the next generation needs moving forward. We are on a mission to help teens skip the lunch line for the front line of a movement, empowered with the knowledge and skills needed to thrive in a fast-paced, dynamic, ever-changing world. This is Skipping Lunch Lines. We're glad you're here. And it's like anything else. It's like when people say, well, you know, where do I invest my money? And it's like, well, where are you investing now? They're like, nowhere. Like, somewhere. Somewhere is better than where (laughs) you're at. (laughs) Right? Where do I maximize my return? Like, not how you're doing it now. Like, so exactly. just <laughs> you're worried yeah. about the difference between seven and eight. Like, dude, you got zero. Like, come right. on. Like, get yeah, started. you're like, like negative right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, oh, we're, I got a thousand bucks coming back. Like, where should I put it? And like, you got debt. And you're like, yeah, I got, you know, 10 grand in credit card debt. You're like, pay that off. Right. No, <laughs> it's 25%. Like, don't be, you know, I'm trying to worry about 3%. Dude, what are you doing? Don't worry about dividends. Right. No, it's, <laughs> I think it's so funny because, you know, I, unlike you, like I've never been an entrepreneur. I've never had been a business owner. I've always been an employee, but always knew that I was meant for more, but my own life circumstances just really didn't allow me. That's probably an excuse, you know, but at the time I felt like, oh, you know, I can't go do this because of this. I can't do this because of that. And then I finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the excuses. If I want to change my life, I have to just do it. And I can't tell my son, that's the thing that kind of, you know, when you have children, it's kind of (laughs) like, you can't tell them to do something you're not doing yourself because, (laughs) you know, that inauthenticity, they get right away. And so I was like, we're going to figure it out together. I would tell you this, (laughs) my my favorite, one of my favorite, like mentor, teacher book things that I've read is Stephen Covey. And one of his biggest principles, and he, you know, he did seven habits of highly, high, highly effective people. I yeah. can teach the book because <laughs> um, I have, I've trained hundreds of people on it. And, uh, and 
but one of the main things that for me was uh, when you learn something, you immediately need to teach it to two people. And the reason is because it solidifies in you. And it also solidifies that you have to learn enough of it to be able to talk about it for one, but two, Mm -hmm. uh, it keeps you from being a hypocrite. Yeah. Like (laughs) what you just said, like how in the world can I teach you to do something that I'm not doing myself? Like you're going to boom, BS meter goes off, especially with kids. And that's what people don't realize a lot of times, you know? Right. And so that's like, I would always have, yeah, I would always have conversations in the car with my son, like, like we were listening to, uh, I have like recordings on like um, the roll of 72 and just like compound interest and all the different things. And he'd listen. He's like, mom, your job is to help people understand these things. Why don't, why don't parents know this? And I'm like, exactly. So that's really yeah. how I started the conversation with him was just him and I kind of learning in the car together. That's fantastic. And now, so now he's, he's, uh, he's pretty good about it. So. Well, so I talk about a lot of times when people ask me, I'm like, look, man, my whole goal is to change people's, uh, a kid's trajectory, right? Yeah. Definitely. And so um, it's, it's the equivalent to like the space shuttle taking off from, from Earth, right? Like if mm-hmm. you move the space shuttle an inch uh, over as a, on its trajectory, it means nothing for a really long time. But by the time it gets to space, it's a million miles away. Yep. You know, and so if you can take a kid and just if they don't have to understand every single aspect of personal finance, but if there's one or two or three things that they gravitate to and they start to do that, that, that trajectory just goes apart and where they end up at the end is miles apart from where they would have been had you not had that open conversation with them in the beginning. So I feel for a lot of parents internally, one of my things is I feel a lot of parents feel like they're not qualified to talk about personal finance. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm focusing this to bring um, the information to the parents and give them the tools, but it's not only just the tools because they're out there, but mm-hmm. it's the confidence and the why and the, and the mindset of like, this is why I have to do this with my kids is that I want to change the trajectory of my kids, you know, and you can make mm-hmm. it selfishly too. Do you want your kids in 35 years old still living off your paycheck while they're eating your retirement? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Do you want your kids going to Dave Ramsey's class like I had to do where I was $700,000 in the hole with no job, right? You don't want that. I promise you. But if you could keep them out of there, guess what they can do? If they don't get in the debt trap, if they don't get in the, you know, in in the cycle or they're just aware and educated of it, maybe they get somewhat, but not nearly like they would be, then they're going to have an opportunity to change lives and and they're going to have opportunities and freedoms that, you know, if you've done what I've done, I didn't, I didn't have a choice. Like I got backed up against a wall real bad. So mm-hmm. they, I don't want my kids to have to do that. And yeah. I want them to have the freedom to make good decisions because it's the right decision, not because it's the decision they need to make for cash flow at the moment. Right. No, I yeah. totally agree. Um, and then from my perspective, I look at the fact that just the way the economy is, like the way jobs are changing, you know, the retirement numbers, if you look at student loan debt, and I, with the clients that I have worked with, that's one of the the discussions I always end up having with them is like, listen, you have got to get your finances in order. Like mine are not 100% in order, but I have an active plan that I'm using. And I follow to a T, I update it all the time. And in seven years, I'll be completely out of debt. And I, you know, and I'm working towards all these things. But if you don't get it together, like you're not going to have retirement, you're not going to have social security, 
your kids are going to be weighed down by student loans and their own bills and their own responsibilities. And you're going to have to rely on them. Mm. And if you have the pressure of, of finances on your shoulders now, is that something you actually want to pass on to your kids? Because yeah. the reality is, is that your, your children love you. They're going to want to take care of you, but they're also going to have their own family that they need to take care of. So at some point, like you just have to stop that cycle of passing on, you know, like poverty basically mm -hmm. and poverty mindset. So, you know, I'm still trying to work out how, you know, the whole, I want to run my business, but I'm basically walking away from client work, doing like investments and insurance and stuff like that. So I can focus on, on more of the education. Cause that's the part that's really, I'm most passionate about. Yeah. So I had an interview with um, Craig Burgess on Sunday. I came in mm -hmm. to help him out do his launch and um, he was asking about how to lead the corporate right lifestyle. And I told him that if you're in the nine to five, like you need to be able to do your side hustle. Like you, you like there's only 40 hours in a nine to five, right? right? Like you need to build your side hustle. Like while you're in your nine to five, like don't cut off your income source to think, okay, well sink or swim, like burn the boats. Like mm -hmm. I'm a big burn the boats person, but that's because I already know how the birds bones, uh, how the boats burn. Right? right. So, and I've done it a bunch of times. So I kind of, you know, I can scale a company pretty quickly or I know if it's a good opportunity, or I know what the expenses are going to come in, but I've also built my fortress, my financial fortress this time where I'm fire, where I've got residual incomes coming in from different sources and that kind of stuff. And so what I would say is that if you're looking to leave the nine to five and it's not the case, then, you got to have a passion for your hustle because if you don't and you try to go full board, I'm an entrepreneur. If you are not willing to do the things outside of a nine to five to start building a business, you are going to have a very hard time being an entrepreneur when every dollar coming in the door is dependent on you. And so you will make tough decisions. You're going to want to quit. It's not fair. The world doesn't owe you anything. There's no paycheck coming in. Like all this stuff goes through your brain. And if you're not strong enough to say, okay, well, like I'm going to work instead of 40 hours a week, I'm going to work 70 so that I can build my business or 60 and build my business. Like you're probably not ready for entrepreneurship because that 50 or 60 is not optional. Right. It becomes mandatory. You know, I, I have now been through this enough times to where I'm, I've got the four week, you know, the four hour work week thing down. Mm -hmm. So I'm extremely efficient. I have a lot of time on my hands. I work, I still own three companies, but you'd never know it. Right. Like I can go, I, I have freedoms that I didn't have before, but it took me 10 years to be the over to, to get to this point. Gotcha. Right. I mm -hmm. had to get to my thing. And so what you're talking about, like, you know, you're saying, Hey, look, seven years, I'm debt free. Absolutely. It's amazing. I started off on an Excel spreadsheet. I just wrote down, I was like, what are my assets? Or I was like, what assets do people have? Right. And I'm like house car, you know, uh, household items, which is total garbage, but, um, <laughs> you know, cash in the bank. And then do I have a, a 401k? And then, and then I just wrote underneath. I'm like, what, oh, what do I, Oh, you know, I have a mortgage, I have a car loan. I have, you know, I owe this amount in credit cards and I just took it and I just added up the top and added up the bottom and I subtracted it. And I had this little itty bitty negative number actually. And so I started there. And then what all I did was the, I would just copy and paste into the columns every month. And I started mm -hmm. doing this over time. And I was watching my little number go from negative to positive, right? Like biggie. And so, uh, and then, um, and then it just started growing a little bit here and there, here and there. And I was like, I got motivated by it. And I was like, man, I gotta, 
I gotta get that thing bigger. Like I don't, you know, I, I did, I was the classic, like, don't bring your lunch or bring your lunch into work and bring your own coffee and all that stuff. <laughs> but I started like counting like sham, like shampoo usage and like, I got like, <laughs> like crazy. Right. You're like, so, There's what? <laughs> yeah. My wife was, one more like, squeeze in the, yeah. in the toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was adding water. It was, <laughs> you know? And so, but I was watching that little number grow and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, all right. So then I started thinking, you know, like, okay, if I, if I do that and I, if I can get this debt paid off, and it was like, oh, well, do you guys want to go to, the, you know, I live, in Orlando, I live by Orlando. So we're like, oh, you want to go to Disney? I'm like, no, let's go to the park, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I pick that 200 bucks and I slam it on the credit card. And I'm like, okay, what do you guys want? You know, I'm, I'm fine. I could find extra money. If I could find ways to hustle and bring in extra cash from side hustles or making deals at work. Like, hey, man, if I do this, can I get a bonus from you? And they'd be like, yeah. I'm like, all right, if I bring you 10 grand, will you pay me a thousand? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, great. So I would like hustle hard and bring in mm-hmm. an extra thousand bucks. And that thousand bucks, I didn't enjoy it you know, like you would think classically, like I wasn't running around like, Oh, I got a thousand bucks. Like, let's go buy something. I'm like, Nope, I got a thousand bucks. See ya. <laughs> See ya chase bank. You know what right. I mean? And I'd yeah. watch my little number go up a thousand dollars. And I was like, ah, yes. You know? And then my snowball started to happen and then I got rid of the debt. And it was like, I started, I, it took a really long time. I mean, legitimately I owed the IRS $98,000. Um, you know, and there's a crazy story by how I know all that, but uh, I really thought I owed him 27. And then a month later, I owed him 98 because they sent me all the stuff in the mail. They're like, penalties and interests. Here you go. You know? Right. Yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, the, but so as I was doing that, it was, it was something very, very simple, mm-hmm. but it was impactful to me. Like, Every time I wanted to do something, I was like, no, 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 I'm going to fix my little spreadsheet. And then, you know, I bought a house and I was watching the market and I'm watching the Zillow and all that stuff. And I would move the number a little bit there. And then I had to move my car value down a little bit. But I was paying my car loan down. And then as soon as I got the credit cards gone, I started hammering the car loans. They were gone. Then all I had was mortgage. You know, I got rid of the IRS debt. I got rid of all this stuff. And it was like, all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute all this money that I had been piling into things I didn't want to owe anymore. Now they started going into my bank account and then my Mm -hmm. brain started going crazy. Like, okay, now I can start buying things that bring more money in. Right. Assets by assets. And so I started thinking about that. And so, um, and then meanwhile I bought a company and I built it all up and I did all these crazy things. But, um, you know, that little motive, that little spreadsheet, was like it, it was uh it was my little personal finance coach that's you know? awesome and and i went you know i was a sub 500 credit score and then recently uh last august i hit an 850 credit score which is the max you can do and uh Fantastic. i had never seen one i've pulled probably 10,000 credit scores in my life i've never seen above like an 820 830 and i actually well actually the month before i was 849 I was really, really mad. <laughs> You're like, come on, give me that point. Oh, thank you. Somebody <laughs> understands. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, what could I do for one point? Like, you couldn't just give it to me? Right. You know, and I was like, but like, you know. Do you know, you know how much work I did to get oh, to this point? Oh, man, I was, you know, that's like people say, oh, I couldn't do this because I'm broke or whatever. I'm like, dude, you know how broke I wish I was? Right, yeah. Just 700 grand negative with no right. job. You tell me. You want to be, you can't do it because you're broke? Right. Like, you got broke mindset. So it's changing, right? Yeah. And it takes time. You know, it takes time. It took me 10 years and I got to, I got to where, um, you know, I could, I I have a lot of freedoms now and now I make decisions on businesses and real estate and that kind of stuff based on 
is this a good deal for me or not? I don't, not looking for opportunity. Right. I need to, it comes to me now and, and it's awesome. And and I'm very, very blessed, but I spent all summer in the pool with my kids. It was amazing. Yeah. Right. I I was 70 hours a week guy. Right. So no friends, no hobbies. I was either with my kids or at my office. And for three years I had people when I moved to this new city in Ocala, people would be like, Oh, have you been by so-and-so? I'm like, is it on the way between here and here? And they're like, no, I'm like, Nope. <laughs> like, I don't even know any, I don't know any roads in this whole town. Like just, like, either, I know how to get to work and back. Like that's like, it. can I make money while I'm there? Yeah. <laughs> Is there a business opportunity? Yeah. I'm absolutely. In. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's, so that's I know. Well, that's the thing is that I just feel like entrepreneurship. It's may not be for everybody, but I feel like in this economy, a child going into the world without that entrepreneur mindset is really going to make it that easily. You know, I feel like that's like almost like uh, insurance for the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a skill set though, you know, like mm-hmm. why we, so, you know, we teach, I always laugh. I use the same example, but like I have a coil uh, coaster from my pottery class in high school. Mm-hmm. Well, I did. I don't know where it is now. It's gone <laughs> somewhere and blessing someone else's life, I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I remember I had to learn about how like you wrap it up, and then you glaze it, and you stick it in the big kiln thing, and it cooks it, and then you pull it out, and it glassifies it, and you have to do. It. And I'm like, well, that's great. It's a skill set, you mm-hmm. know. Like, well, how do you buy a house? You're supposed to know. No. Nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you can learn it. You learn it. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, I was, I mean, but you could, you could just say, Hey, look guys, when you know what, you're going to look for real estate. This is what price per square foot is. Uh, this is how it affects in different neighborhoods. This is mm-hmm. you know construction costs versus used. You could do like, okay, you just want to learn like actually how to just buy a house. Great. This is a the real steps. estate agent. This is what they do. This is what they do in their, in their job. This is how they bring you to things. This is what a mortgage broker does or a bank does. This is the down payment. This is the interest rate. This is the term of the loan. This is how much you pay over that term of the loan. If you don't pay it down faster, like Mm -hmm. literally we explain none of this stuff, zero zip zero. And all of it is relevant to our lives, you know, Definitely. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's a, it's a shame and I really, and my feeling is that we, you know, we set up the school system, this curriculum, um, you know, forties and fifties to produce factory workers. Yep. Like that was the original setup was like, okay, well, like, well, how do we get people used to, used to working from eight to five? And, you know, at that time there weren't all these financial products and there weren't all the, it was like, okay, well, we'll set up a safety net. They'll have social security. They'll just work until they need that. And then we'll give that to them and we'll, we'll force them to pay into it and it'll all work. It'll be great. And so that worked for a little while, but then it doesn't because, you know, you can't central plan everything to death. And then they started pulling that, those funds out to pay for other things like they do. And they drop big IOUs in the social security bucket. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people started um, buying houses and they used to be five grand. And then they were like, well, people don't buy on a dollar amount. They can't save up $5,000 anymore. So let's loan them the money because that way we could charge them interest. And then we'll just take the house as collateral. So they're like, okay, here's a five-year loan on a house. And then it was like, wait a minute, this guy's buying on the payment. Let's get him a 10-year loan, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's get him a 15-year loan, whatever. Let's get him a 30-year loan, you know, because he's just going to buy on the monthly payment anyway. That way, we instead of paying $200,000 for a house, he's only paying 1200 bucks a month. 
except for we collect that for 30 years and all of a sudden we get we, we lent out 200,000 and we got back five and 550 yep <laughs> oh okay let's just hop this on their back right and so you know and then the car guys were like okay three-year loans four-year loans five year loans. they're in eight-year loans right now mm-hmm. you know I have a co-worker who is just trying to tell me why that was a great idea and I'm like you and I need to talk. Okay. Not a good idea. And, he, and I'm like, why would you take a loan out for that long? And he said, well, it's a nice car. And I said, okay, do you understand how much you're going to end up paying? Let's do the math. And like, you need to decide if that amount of money is worth it. You know, I always like to future, look at the future and say, all right, this is how much I'm going to end up spending. And then look at your life in retirement without that or what that money could have been. And like, is that the lifestyle that you want? No. Okay. If you don't want to be, you know, if, living under the bridge in retirement, then you have to make those choices now. Yeah. You get the cheaper car. You yeah. don't get the crazy loan. You get the used car because you're basically borrowing from your future self yeah. is what you're doing. So if you're, if you're going to pay, if you buy a $50,000 car and after interest, it's $100,000. Do they have $100,000 in a bank? Like, no, well, you could, if you didn't buy this car and you put this right. exact same amount of money away, you'd probably have twice that because you'd have compound interest with it. Right. But that doesn't make sense. And they're like, like oh, but it's I'm not guaranteed. Not... It's not yeah. guaranteed though, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you won't have it if you're putting right. it into a car that depreciates, right? right? Yeah. I guarantee your car won't be worth that much in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the asset you just spent a hundred thousand dollars on. Right. And then yep. they go to the other extreme. They say, okay, well, I mean, I'd rather go and buy stocks. Yeah. That's something that they don't really know even anything about. And I'm like, you went from zero to nothing or zero to a hundred. Uh, like, how about we just pace the market, be prudent. And you know, like you're going to be fine as long as you don't panic. And as long as you keep your money in the market and yeah. you invest the same amount every single month, you're going to be okay. Well, Dara, now what do you want us to do? You want us to teach dollar cost averaging in school so that people have an <laughs> understanding of what it is, why you buy stocks when they go up and why they better go down? If a 12-year-old can learn it, then I'm pretty sure adults can learn it. <laughs> Absolutely. But again, <laughs> like, why aren't we teaching this in there, you know? And so that's the whole point. Like, So uh, I have a question like, for you about that. that. I have yeah. a question. So I, I saw some research, and forgive me, I don't know where I saw it, but it was basically saying that uh, financial literacy in the classroom is not actually effective. So I was wondering, like, I have my own feelings about that. So I was wondering from your perspective, do you find that to be true or not? Yeah. So here's what I would say on that. How is the financial literacy not in the classroom effective? Right. Yeah. It's not. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to tell me it's not effective in the classroom, but you know, social studies, trigonometry, calculus, um, you know, civics, uh, you know, English language. Really, how is that working out for all you texters, right? <laughs> you, ever get a, you, ever, you, ever, you ever have your 16-year-old your, your write you something? Because it's going to come out in a whole bunch of stuff that just sounds like words, right? And so you're going to tell me that it's better to, you know, worry about the subjugation of, of nouns as opposed to, look, I don't know how to get car insurance, like I don't want to get fleeced when I go go buy a car and get smashed by somebody charged me twenty four percent instead of instead of waiting having a down payment and getting a four or five percent uh, mm -hmm. interest rate so that I don't pay 
you know, I don't buy a $10,000 car and end up paying $20,000 for it. I pay a, buy a $10,000 car and I borrow enough money and I pay eleven dollars or $12,000 for it. And I'd start this cycle and I do it the rest of my life. So mm-hmm. if it's not effective, why are we doing all this other stuff? Like the, you, you, I could argue all, anything that we teach in high school is not effective, right? But at least this point, we could open up to the kids who are interested in seeing it and we could give them the tools and we don't deny them the tools that they're going to get to do these things. Because not giving them the tools, that's the most least effective thing that I can think of. Right. I guess some right? of the argument is that it's better taught at home, which... By who? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> by by, who? Like by, by the people who we didn't educate from it in the first place? Like, so mm-hmm. listen, so you want to talk about rich get richer, poor get poorer, right? That's exactly. So mm-hmm. if you're in the poorest neighborhoods, like you're going to get the poorest financial advice, mm-hmm. Right. And so, because if the people in the poorest neighborhoods had great financial advice to give, they'd probably be living by great financial advice in the first place. And so, if you're going to get this taught at home, I would call that the least effective uh, strategy because it's like anything else. People will give you advice. Every single person on this planet will give you advice, but it's up to you to determine if that advice is worth listening to or not. But as a kid, when the only person you have to turn to talk to is your parents about this advice, you're going to take that word as gold. And it's and then for most of us. We either got the advice and it was bad or we didn't get the advice and it was also bad. So right. my family, we talked about entrepreneurship. So guess what? At 24 years old, I opened up my own company. At 27 years old, I was a millionaire on paper. At 28 years old, I was bankrupt because I knew zip zero about personal finance and I didn't have anything saved and I had debt through the nose, right? And because that's what we talked about. I never talked about mm-hmm. budgets or anything else. Like I can ring the bell and bring the dollars in. That's what I needed to know. Right. And so I would say it's not better taught at home. Yeah. It's probably better taught at home if you're a Rothschild, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but you know, 50 to 60% of Americans couldn't handle a $500 emergency shock right now. They don't have enough money. They don't have a thousand dollars in the bank account. Right. It's like yeah. something like 60% of Americans don't have $1,000 put away in an emergency fund. We're carrying an average of $32,000 in car loans. The student loan debt just passed $1.5 trillion, right? It's mm-hmm. more than car debt. It's more than credit card debt. And why do you think that is? Because the government is backing them. And so they're giving away loans to people that have, and, and they're giving them to kids who have zero financial education and don't look at the long-term cost of this stuff. And they're not really looking at whether this career is going to be able to pay for this money that I'm borrowing. And then, oh, by the way, borrow whatever you want because it's backed by the government. And so you can't default on it. You can't put it in bankruptcy. Oh, and if you don't get a degree, guess what? You still owe the still last owe three years, yeah. right? You borrowed $70,000 to get three years worth of education. Oh, oh, and by the way, the money that you borrow, oh, don't it's worry doubling. about those payments. Yeah, don't worry about those payments, right? Because we won't make <laughs> you pay for anything while you're doing it. Here's your bill at the end of it. Bam, double what you borrowed, right? And then you're okay. like, well, how is this fair? Well, guess what? It's not. And guess what you can do about it? Nothing. Yeah. Good luck. Getting, yeah. And then right? it keeps doubling. Yeah. It keeps doubling. <laughs> yeah. Here's your minimum payment. Oh, a hundred bucks a month for a hundred thousand dollars. Great. Where do you think the rest of that payment's going? It's going on the backside of that thing. You're never, ever going to get out from underneath it. And mm-hmm. so now what we're going to do is not only are we burdening them with this of like, it's going to be tough for them uh, to be able to justify the money they already borrowed that they can't put into bankruptcy. You know, bankruptcy was actually a blessing that one of our forefathers put into this thing because it allowed people to go out and chase dreams and borrow 
against things that, you know, borrow against ideas and, and chase and try and expand. And that's why we ended up with the most entrepreneurial country in the nation, in the, in the world. Yeah. Right. But on the flip side of that, it hurts really bad when you have to file bankruptcy, but it also hurts the people who lent the money. So the people who lent the money are more cautious and they make sure that the underwritten, the, th- the people who are borrowing it. Mm-hmm. But if you take away that ability to, to file bankruptcy, the lender has no um, qualms about not lending as much money as they possibly can into you because they're going to ride you and you're going to work for them for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, until you pay that thing off. And so if you're going into a profession and you have no idea what you're going to do with that job, you know, that for your university, that private university that's $35,000 a year, they're, it's, it's a tragedy what they're doing, you know, yeah. because the idea to be able to borrow into the schools and, and on top of that, we're, we're charging kids. I mean, it, it's outpaced um, inflation and wage growth like, I don't know what it is, like seven, eight to one, what the cost of college has gone into. Mm-hmm. Well, I know this, there's about the same amount of college kids in these colleges, right? So for the, some of them expanded, but there's about the same amount of kids in the colleges. And there's about the same amount of teachers and administrative staff. So we're borrowing money on the kids' backs and these kids' costs have, you know, gone up sevenfold. Where do you think that money is going? It's got to go to the administrators and the teachers, right? Mm. Who you know, who mm-hmm. who are, are professors and that kind of stuff. Man, they're pulling big bucks, or they're going to endowments. You know, like mm-hmm. Harvard, I think has like a nine billion dollar endowment. It's a hedge fund. Yep. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it doesn't need. It's got nine billion dollars interest alone on that's like ninety something million dollars a year. You know, mm-hmm. so that's where like I don't understand how you can lend money to kids carte blanche to let them go and rang up this debt but teach them nothing about debt right. how is that fair no right? that they do right? have the exit interview when you take out the loans you know when you're done with the student loans it's like oh here's your exit interview where you're going to tell you now how you got to pay <laughs> i need to be on the front end yeah yeah. Before they uh, take the loans out. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't worry about that. That's for, there's no payments. That's all you hear. There's no payments, no payments, no payments. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about the actual debt. There's no payments. Don't worry about it. You know? Well, that's the same with the, um, you don't have to make a mortgage payment for the first month. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to make it until it's gone. But at right. least that way, the mortgage company, if you don't pay the bill is going to eat some of it. So they're going to be like, okay, let's, let's talk about this and make sure you're qualified to buy this thing. Right. right. I mean, we quit doing that in 06, 07, and 08, which is what got us into, you know, the problems that we were, <laughs> the problems that we were in and talking from a former mortgage company owner. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I was on the forefront. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the idea that we shouldn't teach our kids personal finance because it may be less effective than it could be at home, then teach me a subject that should be taught. Because I know this, I have never used calculus. I have never used auto mechanics. I have never used pottery. I, uh, you know, I really love that I had a two hour gym class every day because I love mm-hmm. playing sports, but you know, I don't know that I've used it all that much in my professional life. Um, you know, English, I would say I got autocorrect on my browser and on my word docs and in my phone and everything else. Now you don't you know? need history. <laughs> you definitely don't need history because you could definitely Google all that. Yeah. I mean, you're going to find your information right there, but why not open up their eyes to kids, right? So a 16-year-old putting $10 a week away for 60 years ends up at a million six. 
mm-hmm. right? If you're 14, it's $2.1 million. But why mm-hmm. would we tell a kid that? Why don't we just tell them, hey, listen, go, don't, you know, don't worry about that. And all we're, and then what's happening now is the kids are getting hustle lifestyle, right? So they're seeing other people on Instagram and they're living these fake lives and this kind of stuff. They're borrowed cars and mansions they're renting on Airbnb and whatnot. And they're like, oh man, like I got to make big, big money or I'm a failure. Right. And that's not true either because like the business of building, you know, building a business is that you got to be able to, you know, sustain and, and reinvest and do those kinds of things. And so we don't teach, we don't teach anything about entrepreneurship either. You know, we don't teach about uh, payroll taxes, right? You know that when you pay, like if you pay your employee, he pays payroll tax, you match it. Mm-hmm. Well, that adds a lot when you're trying to negotiate salaries and do your budgets for things. Do you know what startup capital is? Do you know what margins are? Do you know what profit margins are? Like, do you know what net margins are? Do you know the difference between cost of goods sold and what a net margin, you know, what a net profit is of a company? If you ask a kid and you're like, hey man, if you want to sell pencils and you sold this pencil for $10, how much money did you make? What do you think the answer is going to be? $10. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> what do the pencil cost? <laughs> right? right. Yeah. My, I teach that stuff to my eight-year-old and she's, so now she, she cracks me up because she'll be like, oh no, I didn't. She's like, what's that? She'll ask me now because I asked her a couple times before. She'll mm-hmm. say, what's the pencil cost? Like a pencil costs eight bucks. She goes, oh, you made $2. Yeah. I go, okay. See? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so what is that? And she'll be like, you know, she fumbles around a little bit, but she'll be like, that's your profit. And I go, okay, how much money did you make? She goes, well, what are my other expenses? And so- <gasps> And I'm like, and I'm like, she's like, you know, because you have to have those things. And what's really kind of funny is that, you know, if there's a, there was a study from Experian.com where they had, um, generation Z, right. Because that's Mm -hmm. one below the millennials and 72% of them were aware that they needed financial, personal financial training and that they wanted personal financial training. And these are kids, high school age, early college, that kinds of things. I never was thinking about it. You know, I, I was, you know, I, it wasn't something that I really knew that I needed or whatever. I was kind of like, I'll figure it out kind of person, you know, um, you know, the, the, un, I think the untrue portion on millennials, because they probably, you know, they take that 10% that we, you know, we take extremes on them. But for the majority of the part, like they're business owners, their families and that kind of stuff. And they came through a really, really hard time in, in our economic cycle with, right. the, with, with the United States and watching our parents, you know, watching their parents lose houses and do all this stuff. And so um, they, they, but they're also, they're in the same boat now realizing like, wait a minute, I didn't know all this stuff, mm-hmm. right, either. And so luckily these kids now are in Gen Z and they're exposed to so many things through internet and through self-education and YouTube and seeing people that are out there doing education like yourself that they want this information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've never met an adult that was like, I'm glad we didn't teach us in high school. Right. Right. They're like, nope, it's the opposite. Yeah. I've never met one single person. Right. Because like you said, like, oh, they're like, oh, it's more effectively taught at home. Great. Show me how many homes are teaching it. How many homes, how many, how many homes have a curriculum for personal finance and entrepreneurship? Only the rich ones. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah. But, why, but then what happens for their kids? They make smart financial decisions. Hopefully, at least they got the right information to make the better decisions. And, you know, like I, I tell people, there's a test coming. You know, there's a money test that's going to come and it's going to come daily just about, but at least it's going to, and then sometimes you're going to have finals. Right. Mm-hmm. And so these are things that are going to come. 
Like, should you study for the test or not study for the test? Like you tell me which way it's going to be better. Right. You're going to get a better grade, right? Maybe you don't get a hundred. So maybe it is less effective. Ah, you can't get a hundred. Well, well, isn't that better than at least studying for the test at all? Like, <laughs> right. You know, like, winging it. <laughs> yeah. Like I studied zero. Give me that finals test. Like, Oh, great. Like, you know, should I buy this house? <laughs> Good luck. You know, like, I hope uh, I'm just gonna, does that guy say I should buy it? Yeah, that guy says I should buy it. Okay, I'll just copy off him. You know, <laughs> well, who knows what, you know, his motivation is that you just sign the test, not that, you know, that you, he gets paid. You know, that's his right. job. Like, it's not his job to decide your life, whether you should or shouldn't buy this thing, you know, or whether you should or shouldn't experience it. It's just kind of like, hey, can I get you the money? Like, they, it's not, you, you've got to have that self-reliant portion in there. And that's what drives me nuts on the side of like the schooling side. And I don't blame teachers at all. You know, it's a curriculum problem and it's, yeah. it's a focus problem, right? Because I feel like there's a lot of teachers and yeah, I know I this because I was a banker that don't know this stuff either, right. right? And unfortunately, you know, what I talk about with money talkers is that my whole goal is to keep people from having to go to Dave Ramsey's class, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be in there like, you know, 40 years old and going, what do I do? You know, right. now mind you, I would rather that they, they, at any point possible, they start their financial education. So that's not what I'm saying, right? I'm not saying like, don't go to Dave Ramsey. Like you're talking to somebody who had to go real hardcore to Dave Ramsey stuff, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and learn about debt and budgets and, you know, balance sheets and all that fun stuff, right? But like at any point in your life, you should be, doing those things. And it's kind of like what we talked about earlier when you say, Hey, you know, um, you're, you're, you're talking to people and we're talking about investment returns. Right. And they're like, Oh, mm -hmm. where should I put my, my, I got, I got a tax return coming this year. I got two or 3000 bucks. Like, where should I invest it? Like, where, where do you invest it now? <laughs> you know, Oh, I'm going on vacation. Well, not there, you know, right. Like, let's, <laughs> let's, you know, or like you talked about, you said, you know, that people, um, they don't look at their finances now. Right. Mm -hmm. They put their head in their sand and they're yeah. like, ah, it, it'll figure itself out. Well, okay. You have more time on this earth to earn and fix your finances at today right now than at any other point in the rest of your life. Right. So it's that old adage, like when was the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? When's the mm -hmm. second best time right, right now. now? So mm -hmm. you either get real and get, start looking at where you're at in your life and where you're at in your finances and you come up with a plan and you start chipping away at it, or it's only going to get worse. Right. You know, whatever yeah. you put light on shines. Yep. And so if you're not willing to look at those things and have those conversations, then your kids aren't either, you know? And if you feel like, well, I can't talk to my kids because I'm not a personal finance guru, you are 100% wrong. I guarantee that like you have some lessons you have learned. I guarantee, I don't care who you are. At least but, not what to do. Exactly. At least maybe <laughs> I don't know what to do, but I know a bunch of ways not to do it. Right. And so if you don't share that with your kids, they're going to learn the same way of what not to do. And maybe you, uh -huh. maybe you could have stopped that. Maybe you could have saved them from that bad mistake. Right. And because yeah. it takes years. You know, the recovery, the problem is, is like, you know, people talk about like a mortgage. Like, well, you know, you paid your mortgage on time for seven years and then you stopped paying for three months right? Like the seven years don't count. 
Nope. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> like it's instantly like, you know, it's, it's automatically now. So you got three months late on a mortgage and you run into a foreclosure, right? And you're going they're glad. That. <laughs> yeah. They're glad they're like, Oh wow. We got seven months of on-time payments. Yeah. And now we get the value of the house. Yeah. Now we can get to sell. <laughs> exactly. So now you're, and, and you're like, but I paid you on time for seven years. Like, well, you're supposed to, Mm-hmm. You know, they don't care. It doesn't matter to them like that. You're behind now. And so we lend the money. So we get the house back. It's not set up for you to win. Right. It's not set up for, for your advantage. It's set up for the people lend the money advantage. So what I tell people is that you can either be somebody who borrows money or somebody who lends it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those are your two options. And guess who has an easier time with money? Right. The person that lends it. The person lending it. The person lending it hardly ever goes broke. I can tell you right. that. Right. Except <laughs> like, the bank of mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always yeah. Say, I'm not the bank of mom. I'm not the bank of mom. <laughs> get a job. Yeah. yeah you need a better <laughs> underwriting department. <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell my son. I'm like, seriously. Well, yeah. he's, he's, he's. You're going to turn into the, 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 the charity of mom. That's what you need. You need right. a new name for it. Right. Yeah. Charity of mom. <laughs> oh no. But he's, um, it's funny because he's, going to Hollywood uh-huh. for a band, like to perform in Hollywood um, during Christmas time. And I was like, all right, it's going to cost X number of dollars. What's our plan? He's like, okay, I'm committed to paying a third. And I'm like, how about a half? <laughs> he's like, come on, mom, I don't even have a job yet. And I'm like, well, so how are you going to earn a third? And he says, well, can I work with you or my dad? <laughs> so he's, you know, he has his head at least thinking about these things so. no that's it but that's that's the thing right and so you you even kind of like let it out there a little bit like well at least he's thinking you, you're talking to him about it right mm-hmm. and you're asking him those things and like those little tiny seeds get planted right mm-hmm. and that gives him you gotta remember he also just negotiated yeah <laughs> He right? sure did, and he won that in negotiation <laughs> third, <laughs> but that's okay but, he, but he's learning a skill set right yeah, okay so everything's negotiable in life. Right. And so things are negotiable. Sometimes you got to walk away from a deal, but at least everything, you know, that's negotiable. But I know this, my motto that I've taught so many people in finance, right. Is that, um, if you don't ask for it, the answer is always no. Right. So, um, my dad would have said it a different way. He would have said, you can't steal second with your foot on first. Mm-hmm. Right. Because unless you are willing to say, Hey mom, um, you know, I'll pay a third of it. Now, one, as a mom, you should be super excited because it really probably like 80% of kids would have been like, well, aren't you just paying for it, right? <laughs> so at least you got a third, but two, he started the negotiation and he didn't start at three quarters, right? He was smart. He was like, how about a third? And you're like, how about a half? He's like, how about a third? So he held his ground and he was learning that, right, <laughs> that, he's, that he's in there, but he's, he's doing that. And then like, well, how are you going to earn the money? He was like, oh, well, can I, but you're turning those wheels. Mm-hmm. And you're starting that thing where like now the next time that things come up and he's like, wait, uh, he's not going to say, I can't afford that. He's going to mm-hmm. say, how do I afford that? And then yeah. when, you, when they determine to what the, how to, how do I afford this thing is, is then you make the decision of whether I'm willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you're sitting there going, well, you know, if you, if you had said to him, I'm sorry, son, uh, we can't afford it. Now let's say you're in that position. You're like, we can't afford this. Right. And you just tell them, you can't go to Hollywood. We can't afford this, right? Instead of just saying, hey, man, listen, uh, we don't have that in our budget right now. How do you think we can afford this? And let him spit out ideas. And then you talk about it. And maybe then you put your nose to the grindstone. You pull your bootstraps up and you say, hey, listen, 
I found a way for us to earn an extra $100 a week. We have 12 weeks, we need 1200 bucks. This is what I need you to do, this is what I need to do. And you show them, look man, we can go get this thing. And, uh, and, 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 you know, maybe it's Uber driving or maybe it's him going to cut grass and you go out and you help him go talk to the neighbors or mm -hmm. you, uh, you make him go sit outside the grocery store every Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, you make him go sit outside the grocery store every Saturday and Sunday and, uh, and, and talk about why he's looking for donations to be able to go and what his story is and how he can repeat himself and give a sales pitch to people and you teach him a bill, a business skill set, right? Like there's a million ways to do it, but if you just say, I can't, it's an excuse to just let go of what you don't have to look at and be in, and to go into. Right. Well, and that's the one thing, you know, even when I was, my finances were a complete mess that I made the commitment that I was never, those words were never going to come out of my mouth because mm -hmm. it's such a disempowering thing to teach your child to say like, well, we can't afford that. We can't do this. And that's all, that's all they're going to know is that what they're not able to do. So I've always, even when I didn't know the way, it was always more like, well, let's figure out how we can make that happen. Yeah. So like, yeah. for example, he, you know, he loves video games. He loves computers and stuff like that. And so I said, you know what, I think it's about time that you get yourself a computer. So we'll go shopping. We'll see what's affordable. Um, and then I gave him a budget and, and he's like, well, I want to build my own. And I said, well, how much is that going to cost? And he said about three, $4,000. And I'm like, okay, $4,000. <laughs> That's more than I was hoping to spend. So how can we make that happen? And he said, well, I'll earn every penny of it. And I was like, okay. And he, he, he set out and he started saving. He started working with his dad. And it's doing extra stuff around the house. Like he, I have his chores and then I have the extra stuff that he can do to earn extra money. Yeah. And he, he, he was diligent about saving it and did all the research for his computer, bought all the parts, put the computer together. And that, that's like the big thing that he's the most proud of because yeah. he did all of that on his own. And I was like, yes, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to me, that was a big victory because oh, it's a huge victory. You know, it's not something that I could have afforded, but he, you know, I was at least smart enough to like not say no and not be like, you know, cut his dream off and just be like, okay, well, how can we make it happen? Yeah. And so that's how I try to approach things. It's like, you know, if you want this, that's fine. How are you going to make it happen? Yeah. You want, you want to have a Tesla? Okay. How are you going to make it happen? You know, so. That's it. That's, that's the whole thing is it, um, you know, money is a mindset. It's two mm -hmm. things, you know, there's a, um, and that's, you know, in money talkers, we talk about, uh, three things. We talk about personal finance. We talk about entrepreneurship and we talk about successful mindsets. And some people will be like, well, why would you need to mix successful mindsets with personal finance? Because in my life, the way I've looked at money has been determining the major determining factor of how I am able to manifest it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I am, if I was negative or I was waiting on somebody to bring me something or, you know, I, I had that, I can't afford it mentality or, you know, I, I can never be that person mentality, then I would be correct. It's like Henry right. Ford said, you either, if you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you will be correct. Correct. Right. And so, <laughs> um, and then I have another Henry Ford quote that I absolutely love, which is, you cannot build your reputation on what you're going to do. Right. So you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. 
say anything you want, man. You can say you're going to grow a pair of wings and fly around. Like you can going to be doing anything, but you're not a bird until you fly. Right. right. So if you're going to be someone who gets their finances in order, you're not that until you, you are that. <laughs> get your finances in order, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Get your finances in order now and, and start now, you know, and, and I'll give you a recent example. I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> yep. Right. And now you're a podcaster because you just yeah. started. I'm talking to you too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You yeah. know, and that's the thing. I was the same, I'm the same boat. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to be, I'm going to start a podcast. I started saying that almost seven months ago. I launched a month and a half ago. Right. And so, uh, I was going to do a podcast until I did one. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not. Now I'm a podcaster. So guess what? I have a reputation that I created and it can't be taken away. So you cannot build your reputation on what you're going to do. And so if you want to be known for something, first of all, I'd say the first step is is to figure out what you want to be known for, you know, what you want your reputation to be. So, and what I mean by that is that if you want your kids to see you a certain way, or if you want your eulogy to be read a certain way, or you want a legacy to be left a certain way, the first thing you need to do is identify what that is. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that why and that goal, you're going to be something, right? And so if you start off and say, okay, well, I'm going to, for me personally, my goal was to leave a portfolio of real estate that produced enough income to buy its own real estate and generate income for my family for the next three to five generations. I love it. Big, right? Yeah. But Mine is not as big. Mine is just to leave $3 million. <laughs> That's, I mean. I, he, you know, it's earning its income and he, yeah, growing I, as time goes on. That's, but that's just, so my mine start, but I don't, but I can't do that until I buy the first right. $100,000 house that I bought. You know, I bought a hundred thousand dollar fourplex. I can't leave $10 million of the real estate until I buy the first $140,000 fourplex, right? Right. I have yeah. no reputation as a real estate investor until I bought a piece of real estate to invest in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, it, it's, but, but I have a why, mm-hmm. you know, and it, my why is because I want to, I want to shift my family tree and yeah. I want to leave a legacy and I want future Laughlin's to realize that it started and that it was there and it was going to give them freedom and allow them to be charitable and allow them to, you know, uh, have some sort of peace of mind left. I still want them to be striving to go out to do great things, mm-hmm. but my goal is to leave a legacy. And if you do those things, like it's easy for me to not go on an expensive vacation, realizing that if I save for a little while longer, I have more money to buy another piece of property, you know, because my why is I want to leave a legacy. Like it's, it's easier to do those things when you start identifying what you want that reputation to be, then it's easier to pull the trigger and go. So like you talked about, you don't want to be a burden on your kids when you get older. Well, great. Then that should be a bigger reason then why you can't go get your finances in order. So Mm -hmm. at least sit down and make your own little Excel spreadsheet, you know, do it on the back of a napkin on a piece of paper and write on all the things that you have a value, write on all the bills that you owe and then find out what that, and then subtract it and find out what that bottom number says and then become obsessively, you know, into how are we going to get this bottom number bigger if that's your goal, because you need to figure out what you need to not be a burden in the future. And if you're, 
you know, worried about those things and you're thinking about retirement and I don't want to be a burden to my kids. Like you have time now to earn your way out of and fix it. But the mm-hmm. window gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Time goes on. The longer that you wait. And so you need to start that, you know, that step. You have to take that first step. And people see it as a gigantic elephant. You can't, like you said earlier, you can't go from zero to 100. But you have to take that first step. And that first right. step is just being honest with you and assessing where you're at. And mm-hmm. then going, okay, what can we do to make this better? And what do we need to do to get to our goal, which is you've identified a goal. And you work backwards. Okay, we got... 15 years until we want to retire, you know, you decide you want to retire at 65 and I'm 50 or you want to say, okay, well, it may be till 70. Okay. But what do we want to have when we get to retirement and makes it, make it fun. Go, go out there and say, we want to have this kind of house. We want to have this kind of income coming in. Uh, we want to have this amount of cash. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you can work backwards. You go, okay, we got 20 years to do this. What do we need to do first? Where's the worst pain that we have? Well, we're carrying $10,000 in credit card debt. Well, how much cash do we have the bank? 1500 bucks. All right, well, we got to knock that credit card debt down because it's 24% interest. Right. So you knock that thing down. And now let's say you made a goal of a year. So every month we're going to put $1,000 down towards that credit card debt. And you do that. And at the end of that year, guess what? You still have that thousand bucks. And now you have a lifestyle change. And now you have $1,000 to say, okay, that car payment's kind of bothering me too. We could be out of that in 18 months. Boom, boom, boom. And what, what you find is like that thousand then turns to 11, 1200, 1300, 1400 because you hate that debt. Right. And it just makes you, you're, you're, you're going to go through a little period where you're probably like mad at yourself. You're like, what was I thinking? Ah, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, so then you're like, okay, but, but the thing is like when you flip that mindset and you go, okay, this is going to get me here. You know, that's what I did. I set out a 10 year plan that I said, man, I want to be financial independent, retire early. When I found out what that was, I was like, that is amazing. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. Bills are covered by other stuff. <laughs> right. And so I was like, I don't know how to get there because I was just blind, you know, and I'm like, okay, how do I get there? And I just kept working on it, working on it, working on it. And, you know, and, and it, that why was bigger for me than the challenges for the day. Like it became mm-hmm. easy. And I didn't tell myself it was a struggle. It was a game. I was yeah. trying to win, you know? <laughs> That's exciting. Actually, when you start seeing the numbers working in your favor, you're like, oh my gosh, or oh. can I find even more of this money to put it? Yeah, it makes it worse. <laughs> like you think, like you, but the thing is, is that people go, well, you know, they see you a year into it and they're like, oh, I'm not like that. Well, guess what? Neither was I a year ago, but right. I started doing it and then I got crazy, right? And I'm yeah. like, man, I'm going to start knocking this thing out. And it feels good. And it just, you know, it doesn't feel overwhelming. And it doesn't feel like there's a, a backpack full of bricks on your back, you know? And it, when you start taking those, yeah. yeah, when you start taking those bricks out and you're like, wait, this is pretty awesome because now I'm stronger than I was before. You're and like, all, Cody, uh, you actually look like you're younger. You look <laughs> like you have no stress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it, but that's the thing. Like it's, you start to, your focus becomes different. Your mind becomes different. And then you see money differently. Mm-hmm. And you know? more of it flows to you because you're not, you're not blocking it. No, it's like a salesman. I've taught thousand salesmen in my life. It's like a salesman. A salesman is desperate for a sale. It's almost impossible to sell something because people can smell it on you. Like mm-hmm. when you're when you're doing the things that are the positive things that are especially financially, guess what happens? Financial opportunities come your way. All yeah. right. Because people want to be around that. They gravitate towards it. And because mm-hmm. you're, you know, we all get opportunities, but uh, you know, only a few of us are lucky and luck is where preparation meets that opportunity. So if you don't start doing that preparation, when that opportunity comes, you won't be lucky, right? right? It's not real luck. It's just that you took the time to get things built up beforehand. 
I'll give you an example. I got a, I needed a loan to buy an apartment complex and I had an 800 something credit score. I text mm-hmm. the guy. I said, Hey man, I don't want to pull my credit. I'm an 850. He sent me back. That makes you a unicorn. I sent him back the, the unicorn emoji and a screenshot of my credit score. And he was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, but guess what? That took me 10 years. Right. But guess what? I got my loan in, 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 in less than a week. Right. right. Cause he was like, Oh, well you've clearly prepared for this. But mm-hmm. if I needed that loan, and I still had a, you know, a 500 credit score. And they're like, I'm like, no, this is an awesome opportunity. That bank had been like, mm, oh, dude, you haven't, done, you haven't proven yourself. Yeah. You, know, you haven't done the preparation. You didn't want this. Everybody gets opportunities. That's what they look at you like. And as a borrower, you feel like, why don't they see this? It's a great opportunity. Like, because <laughs> you're not, you haven't prepared to be a business yeah. partner with them. You haven't put out that right energy to attract that money. That's it. You haven't done, you haven't trained yourself well enough. It's like being able to say, Hey, listen, you know what? I can get an endorsement for running in the Olympics, but I never run. (laughs) No, man. Like you got to work out. Like you got to do that mentally and physically and financially too, but you got to do the financial stuff. Like if you feel like, Hey, you know, I don't have these opportunities or it's not for me or nothing ever breaks my way or I'm unlucky. Like you got to make your own luck. You don't know when the opportunities will come, but every person gets opportunities. And if you mm-hmm. prepare for them, you can take advantage of the opportunities. And then guess what? You're one of the lucky ones, right? Yeah. And that's not really it because you put the work in. You did the sprinting. You got up early. You did the side hustle. You looked at your finances. You sat down with your bills. You went through your credit card statement and realized where you were spending a little bit too much money. You know, you looked at your bank account and you said, oh, well, uh, like I needed to, I have an emergency fund now to take care of my car not to go buy concert tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And so you made those decisions and people go, man, it's hard. No, it isn't. You can do it. It's, it's just, you need to make that decision of what you're going to do. And if you're going to make that decision to do it, it's hard to get it in your mind. It's not yeah. hard to do it. And that's why I talk about successful mindsets, because if you don't see money that way and you don't see it as a tool, then it becomes a necessity to you. Right. And so you're like, Oh, I got to get it. I got to get it. Got to get it. And then it goes in and in, out, out, out. And you're like, where to go? Right. And it's like, man, if you know that it's a tool that gets you somewhere you want to be, you start looking at it differently and you're like, okay, like I realize I had this much, I'm going to stop giving it to that guy. And so I can pay him off and now I can keep some of it. And now I can use this to go buy some things that are going to uh, appreciate in the future. Mm-hmm. You know? But the more you get into it, the more obsessed you get about it. The more you start looking at assets, the more you start looking at ways to side hustle, the more opportunities, like I said, it comes your way. And guess what else happens at work? Let's say you're a nine to five person. You're not an entrepreneur guess what happens? Promotions, raises, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you're thinking right and you're not making desperate decisions and you're doing the things that you need to do. And it, it's all over you, right? That mindset affects every aspect of your life. Oh, I mean, confidence yeah. is, 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 is a huge thing in the workplace, right? Now, if you're like, uh, I got a 550 credit score. I don't want anybody to know that I'm behind on my credit card and my car payment. I don't know I'm going to pay it. And I got rent due next week. And you're in your office like that guess what? You're not getting the promotion. You're not getting the raise. And you're like, but I, I work harder than anybody else. Like, no, it's all over you. Like you can't, you need to do your financial work at home and you need to get that stuff and get those things in line. And then they've come up for you. The opportunities will come up to you. Yeah. They, they gravitate to you. And then you look at people and be like, uh, like they got all, they, you know, they're lucky. No, man, it's the same thing. Like it's not They worked fun. on their mindset. They worked on their finances. <laughs> That's it. It's all over you. When you're not stressed about money, mm-hmm. you know, and I, when I say you're not stressed about money, 
okay, it never goes away. I don't care how much money you have. Like Jeff Bezos is still trying to make more money, right? right. And so, um, but when, when I mean like not stressed about money, I mean like you're not stressed about having enough money to get basic necessities, you know, mm-hmm. or lose your house or your car, or you don't want anybody to know that like you can't get a soda with your lunch because you're not really sure where, the, where you, know, <laughs> you know, like you're like, I'll just get a water. Like you don't want them to know and judge you and all that stuff. Like, you know, um, when you're not in that stressful position, you, it radiates out of you and you begin to be able to do better, feel better, uh, find more time, think differently, sleep better. Um, not, you know, your relationships at home are less stressful. Mm -hmm. Uh, your relationship with your kids are less stressful, especially your relationship with your spouse is less stressful, uh, because they're the only one that really knows. And sometimes they don't know, but (laughs) you know, but for the most part, they're the only ones that really feel the same thing you feel. And when those things are in line and you are on a plan and a mission together to get these things lined up and you have a goal, you're not denying them things and they're not denying you things. You're working towards a plan and a goal that relationship becomes stronger. It's like a team. Yeah. It becomes a teammate instead of an adversary. Right. Right. And so you go from a solo player to a teammate and that's that, that relationship builds. And then you know what, what's even that's for me? Children. Yeah. Have you talked to your kids? You talk to your kids about it too. Well, then they line up. Right. I mean, they are like, Hey, you know what? I thought about this or I thought about that. And like, you start that spark in them and like you, you, you produce that I can do it attitude. Then that kid is going to see that and they're going to gravitate towards that. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to adopt an I can do that attitude too. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what all kids in America deserve. And they just, you know, they just don't have the parents or like the parents just don't have the information and the confidence to really go out and do it for yeah. their children. But so. you cannot build your reputation as a, as a great parent until you do it. Right. So you don't, you can't have that excuse. You got to go get it. You got to go do it. You know, and that's mm-hmm. the thing like, and, and, you know, and I'm talking about like very, you know, rosy ideas. I get it. You know, you're mm-hmm. at home with kids. Like it's, it's not all fun and games. You know, you get wore out. You got, you got, you know, there, there, there are tough times, but they also need to see you get up from tough times. Yeah, definitely. Right? Because the stimulus that happens to you, you can't really help the reaction, but you can change what you're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when they see that, well, guess what? When they get uh, adversaries in life, when they get challenges in life, they're also going to be like, ugh, you know? But how long do they stay like that or do they ever turn around is up to you. Because if they see that and you're like, all right, you know what? I can do this, you know? Yeah, you built the resiliency in them. And the fight back attitude. Yeah, that's it. And so, you know, a lot of people talk about like, all right, we're doing this terrible service into our kids. Um, You know, in the most part, normally in the business world, I would say that's an advantage because the people who are willing to do the things that are there are going to have better advantages. Mm -hmm. I think it's tragic that in this game, we don't give the tools to every kid to see who wants to take advantage of it. It's only the ones that are getting it at the home. And the only ones that are getting it with the leg up are getting the information. See, if you have the information and you don't make the decision, that's a different game than if you're not told the information and then right. you said, okay, yeah. good luck. Right. Yeah, so, all kids deserve that. Yes. It's a, that should be a, a level playing field because yeah. when the playing field is not level, then that's where the difficulties and that's where the unfairness comes in. 
and I'm not a person that loves fairness, right? For life, because I believe that you should go get it. You should do your things and not blame others. But when you're not giving kids the, the tools that they need to at least understand and gravitate and say, Hey, look, you know what? I want to be a finance person. I want to learn personal finance. I want to have money yeah, when I'm older. I want cool. this stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. I want to, I, I want to go get this stuff. Right. So it's like a, it's like a football team. Like not every kid's on the football team, but the kids that want to can go do that. And the kids who excel at it can move on in their life. Right. But at least we gave them the opportunity. This is right now. We're not giving them the opportunity to learn this stuff at all. And we're not giving them the opportunity to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to change my family tree. Right. I'm going to change. My, I'm going to find my why I'm going to have a successful mindset. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Instead. It's like, you know, we just send them off and say, good luck. And then we don't even bring it up to them and half the kids never even get exposed to it. You know? Yeah. I, w- I know I wasn't. And I, that's wasn't. Why I think what you're doing is so important because all kids deserve to have a shot. And like I said earlier, like to me, entrepreneurship really is something that needs to be taught to all kids. And at the very least, you know, if you're not, if you can't learn it at home, it really should be learned at school. But until then, I guess you and I got a lot of work to do. Hey, hey that's a great <laughs> opportunity for us to get out there and try and spread our message, you know. And yeah. I hope it gravitates and I hope it great. And so that's when I heard about your message, you know. I, I, I think that we need, the world needs a lot more people like you, you know, that, that has Thank that. The, the, it really does. It would, it, 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 we've got to get people on board with this. And the, and the crazy thing is, I've, like I said, I've never met anybody who is like, yeah, that's a bad idea. Right. Yeah. Right. Like we should teach kids about money. And they're like, nah, <laughs> you know? like, like, well, did you get taught about money? And they're like, nah, things worked out perfect. I'm like what? No, never. That is not true. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just so, bla- it's one of those things in society is like so blatantly obvious, but we're not, we're not tackling it. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I commend you on taking that step and I commend you on uh again the first step is the hardest and that first podcast is the hardest right and that first (laughs) how do I find my message is the hardest right (laughs) and so I I feel like it's going to get easier but it's also like you're 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 building the reputation as someone who cares to make enough like your why is big enough to make you do things that are uncomfortable Oh yeah. Right. Yes. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, <laughs> you know, and so you, you, you're taking that step and you're saying, Hey, listen, you know what? My why is I feel like this needs to be brought to parents and teachers and kids. And I think we need to get this into people's hands so that they can help change the world. Mm-hmm. Well, that's more important to you than, Hey man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Right? <laughs> I don't know how to talk about this or I don't know. I just know I want to fix it. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's awesome. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming to be on my podcast. It really means so much to me uh, to have you as my guest, considering hey. our, our missions are so aligned. That's awesome. Uh, well, I want to thank you for having me. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's a really commendable mission. I also want to thank your listeners for listening because uh, that's how information spreads, right? Is that we have to seek it. And hopefully that they are. And if they are, then hopefully they're making a difference in their communities. And I challenge them to do that. I challenge them to have money talks with their kids, you know, and if you're interested, um, you know, the podcast is the money talkers as well. Um, and the Facebook group is also under money talkers. You just search the search bar and then on Instagram, there's, there's quick hits. But like I said, uh, we knowing information is not power, right? That's the saying is information is power action after you have the information is power. And so I challenge you, 
if you're listening to this, is to get out there and take action and make a little difference in somebody's life. You are powerful enough. You do know enough. You do know enough about finance that you know, if, like you said earlier, even if you've done the ways not to do it, but get out there and open the dialogue. Well, that was an awesome conversation I had with Cody Laughlin last year. Some of the things that I took away from Cody was how important it was to face the music, look at your numbers and just get started, and how much positive momentum you build up by continuously taking small steps in the right direction. I also learned just how much Gen Z is really looking for financial lessons, and that unfortunately, a lot of what is out there by way of influence is posturing on social media. As parents, it's our duty to fill this gap. And as society at large, we really have a collective responsibility to level the playing field and give all kids access to sound and non-biased financial literacy. And the third takeaway I would say would be that uh, we really need to do a better job of expanding the conversation around financing college and giving teens the real information they need to figure out what choices they want to make for their future. I'd love to know what your takeaway was from this episode, and I want to encourage you to have a money talk with your teen and definitely go have a listen to Cody's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave us a podcast review, and you just might have your review featured on a future episode of the show. Thank you all for listening, and we hope to see you again next week for another episode of Skipping Lunchlines. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you got anything positive out of the conversation, do you mind leaving us a five-star review on iTunes? Doing so will allow other parents to help their teens create a life of fulfillment and joy, abundance and impact. Until next time, don't forget to help your teens skip the lunch line and live life on their own terms.